Hello and welcome to Intelligence Talks. I'm your host, Anna Ward, Senior Residential Analyst at Knight Frank. And today I'm joined by Knight Frank's Head of Retail Research, Stephen Springham, and Head of Residential Development Research, Oliver Knight. Hi, Stephen and Oliver. Hi, Anna. Hi, Anna. So in this episode, we'll be looking at the big theme of Rishi Sunak's spring statement, the rising cost of living. And we'll be delving into the impact that that's having on sentiment for shoppers on the high street and buyers of new homes. So twin approach, retail and residential today. So I thought we could start with the statement. And I don't know about you, but I've personally found the most interesting bits were in the OBR's forecasts after Rishi stepped down from the podium. So The OBR said that the tax cuts that he announced would only offset about a quarter of the tax rises that we saw in last year's budget. So living standards are set for a historic fall, 2.2%. That's the largest ever in a financial year. And inflation is predicted to average 7.4%. So still quite a big issue, the cost of living. And Stephen, I know that we've sort of discussed this before for the retail sector, but I just wonder, you know, since a month has passed since we last spoke, what you made of that statement and the implications for the sector. Uh, I'm actually quite intrigued you found anything interesting in the budget at all yesterday. (laughs) I tried tried to give you the big statements. (laughs) It was, was, all joking aside, it it was deeply underwhelming, really. So it's very hard to to see how anything is actually going to move the needle, certainly in the short term or or perhaps even in the middle or longer term. But to, to answer the question, we've not really seen any direct impact on the consumer as yet. And I think as yet will be the operative word here. I mean, there's a lot of talk and obviously the media have got themselves into a bit of a frenzy about a cost of living crisis. And, you know, this is the new the new buzzword that we're going to hear for the coming weeks and months, a buzz term, I should say. So, so Stephen, just, I mean, you know, for our listeners, then when can they expect to see any notable impact on the high street? Because obviously, this is a big issue. You would expect, you know, consumer sentiment to be impacted by this. I think, but it's it's not a force in isolation. This is this is the big thing here. We're, we are in uncharted territory insofar as, you know, the retail sector was slowly getting back on its feet post-COVID and that recovery had a, had a long way to run. So what we've got now is two conflicting forces. So the forces of of good, if you like, insofar as, you know, there's a consumer out there with money, obviously that needs qualification, but, you know, generally the average UK consumer is in a pretty strong cash position. Obviously that won't be much consolation to, to those less well off, but... Yeah, of course. Um, but more importantly, you know, there's still this sort of recovery post-COVID, you know, where more of us are going out and there's a willingness to spend. So I think those are the two forces are good. But obviously this is not going to completely destabilise it, but is going to take some of the spring out of that step, if you like. So what about you, Ollie? Just get your take here before we go into more of the sort of future metrics to look for for retail. Obviously, the OBR is still predicting the house price boom has got longer to run. So perhaps slightly going against the slightly dampened sentiment we're hearing about in the media on the cost of living. What were your takeaways? Yeah, it's interesting you, you bring that up because the OBR is is predicting that, you know, house prices are going to end 
2022 7.4% higher. But I, I mean, that, that is still pretty strong in the context of, you know, what's what we've seen in, in recent years. But it, it's quite a material slowdown still from the, the kind of double digit growth that we've been seeing across the country. So yes, they, they do think that prices are going to continue to rise, but the, there is going to be a, a moderation. And, you know, I, I think that's something that we would absolutely subscribe to. You, you know, the, we didn't really see much, and I completely agree with uh, Stephen, that I mean, the budget was very much, or the spring statement was very much tinkering around the edges. There, there's nothing there that's going to move the dial materially in terms of the, the cost of living. So, you know, those pressures that we've been seeing build on household finances are, are going to continue to mount. Borrowers were before the, the spring statement facing higher costs as, as lenders start to, to kind of withdraw rates or withdraw their best rates from, from the market. And, you know, ultimately, that means that we are going to see current high levels of, of house price growth and, and demand moderate. And so I don't think much has changed since yesterday morning, to be honest. And in terms of timing, I mean, looking at both retail and house price inflation, I don't know if the two are completely aligned, but when would you expect a sort of slowdown in house prices and and some sort of impact on retail or consumer sentiment? We can start with you, Stephen. We won't see it immediately. I mean, we actually get the retail sales figures on Friday, uh, the retail sales figures for February. Again, it, it's very easy to second guess those numbers without actually being able to pinpoint the actual figures. But, you know, I think, well, there's three broad ways that they can be interpreted. The one that I've absolutely no doubt will be the one that media will major on will be the fact that volumes will be down month on month. So if essentially that means we bought less stuff in February than we did in January. I think they'll obviously go with that one because of, you know, it, it fits the cost of living crisis narrative. It's a very, very myopic view of retail sales, though. You wouldn't normally take month on month because retail is very seasonal. We always spend less in February than we do in January. So it's... it's yeah, so January sales bounce, isn't there, after the holidays? And January was very strong. So it's a completely meaningless number, but I know that that will be the one that's picked up and, and, and banded around in the media. Conversely, and completely paradoxically, the second interpretation will be of a return to pre-pandemic levels. And again, this probably carries a little bit more weight than it has done over the past 18 months, two years, insofar as, you know, we're cycling two years now against this. So, you know, we are comparing February 2020 with February 22. And the narrative on that is actually going to be very positive. February 22 will be better than February 2020. So you've already got a contradiction. But the third interpretation, which ordinarily probably would be the one I would advocate is the year-on-year comparative, and that is going to be massively better. So, you know, for the simple reason that last year in February was a lockdown period. So, so it'll be a long time before we can actually gauge the effects of this. And yeah, so, yeah, this is the okay. issue, really. The numbers are going to be all over the place because we've had peaks, yeah. peaks and troughs for, for, for the last two years. But maybe more directly, could we see more store closures or any anything along those lines, do you think? No, quite frankly, the opposite. I mean, that may fly in the face of what you may expect to hear, but this isn't a new issue. This isn't a knee-jerk you know, you're not going to see a load of retailers closing stores on, on off the back of a cost of living crisis. You know, retail's issues run far deeper than that and, been, and have been playing out not just for the last two years, but the last three, four, five years. So what we're actually seeing now is, you know, I mean, we got some figures from the local data company last week that, that may surprise people, but there were actually 43,167 store openings last year. 
obviously there were more closures and, you know, we'd expect that in an oversupplied market. But I think this whole notion that vacancy rates are going up, they're not, they're starting to trend down and no one's opening any stores, quite frankly, is wrong. You know, there is actually quite a lot of activity in the market. So it's it's not quite as bleak as maybe the narrative would suggest. And Ollie, on the development side, are you seeing any concern around, I mean, on bill cost inflation and, and the backdrop of cost of living? Is that causing any concern around development or any developers opting to delay projects or anything like that? I mean, undoubtedly, I think build cost inflation is a big issue for the development market. You know, we surveyed about 50 house builders across the UK at the end of of last year, and and more than half of them said it it was the, the kind of number one factor which was adding pressure to their bottom line. But that said, at the moment, when when we look at the housing market more generally and we look at the new homes market, actually new homes have been selling really well. We're still seeing pretty high forward sales rates, pretty high reservation rates being reported in in the the kind of house builder trading updates, particularly for sites which focus on family housing, but also supported by help to buy. And actually, you know, what, what we've seen over the last two years is, is that actually the, the high house price growth that we've seen across the UK has, to some extent, helped offset some of the increases that we've seen in bill costs. I think the concern is that that trend might reverse, particularly given lower house price inflation expectations, and particularly given that BCIS, the Bill Cost Information Service, that they're anticipating a further rise in bill costs in, in 2022 because of you know, combination of labour shortages and also higher energy costs. And we might eventually start to see that feed through into things like land bids, but equally that the land market's really competitive at the moment due to a lack of sites for sale. So we're not seeing it at the moment. We, we may start to see it as the year progresses. I mean, just, just I suppose, more generally when it comes to, to the housing market and your, your question about when might we expect to see a, a kind of a moderation, I, I think we'll, we'll probably see that in the, the second half of the year. But yeah, I mean, I mean we, we look at forward in looking indicators for, for the housing market, things like mortgage approvals, which which tend to be, you know, put in place three months in advance of, of an actual transaction. And, and they're still running above or, or ahead of their pre-pandemic averages in, in December and, and in January. And, and, you know, our own figures on, on housing demand on new applicants suggest the year started really strongly. So we are going to see this kind of strong period in terms of demand and also in terms of pricing, I suspect, continue for the next few months at least before we start to see that, you know, some of those other pressures, that kind of affordability element come into play in in the second half of the year. And are you, in terms of tracking the implications for the first time buyers, at what point do you think it might be noticeable that we're seeing, for example, more of a move into the rental market if cost pressures on first time buyers that have more sort of affordability issues? Um, if those continue to increase, if interest rates continue to push up mortgage rates and so on? Yeah, I mean, I think that the interest rate and mortgage rate point there is key. I mean, first-time buyers are likely to be hit harder by increases there because naturally they rely on on higher loan-to-value mortgages. That Those are mortgages which tend to be more sensitive to things like rate changes. And also, we talk or we have talked a lot in the past about the, you know, the high level of savings which have been built up during the pandemic, you know, more than 230 billion in, in excess savings. The rising cost of living is, is going to limit that and, and that will ultimately have an impact on, on some first time buyers. It may mean that we see more of them staying in the rental market for longer. And when we look at data on the rental market, that's also performing extremely well at the moment in terms of rent growth. And, and that is going to have an impact again on affordability. It does feel like from what you're both saying that all of these pressures are 
looking like they're for property that they'll tip more into next year just based on as you've mentioned like the accumulation of savings but now the ongoing rate of high demand to move home and so on and Obviously, Stephen, there must be some sense from buyers um, of the sort of revenge spend after the pandemic. But I guess then does 2023 look a bit more challenging for both markets? To a degree. I mean, I think I mean, I think we have to sort of put this in perspective of where we've come from. The cost of living crisis ordinarily wouldn't be a great thing. And it's certainly not a good thing now. But relative to what we've experienced or what the retail sector is, has experienced over the last two years, it's pretty low on the Richter scale, if I'm honest. I mean, <laughs> that sort of shows that the level of devastation that we've seen, that, you know, a cost of living crisis is, is actually fairly minor. It's not immaterial. It, it, will, it will impact. But I think the key takeaway from COVID is the retail sector is in better shape, unbelievably. You know, it's come through, it's battle hardened. This is clearly not what retailers or the retail sector would want. But I think, you know, the, it, it, having got its house in order a lot more during the pandemic, it's a destabilising factor rather than, you know, something that's going to completely turn the market on its head. But yeah, it's, I think the challenges will come further down the line rather than in, in the immediate future. Okay, well, in terms of getting answers, I'm going to have to give you, what, 12 months and we'll have to reconvene and figure out what is going on. Yeah, I mean, we've got we've got a lot of dodgy data to work through over the next few months that, that, that you know, <laughs> it's, got to, it's got to work its way through. I mean, yeah, retail sales last year, you know, grew 43% in April. So April this year is going to look terrible, but you have to read between the lines. Well, for the next podcast, we're going to have to look at um, long run averages and look five years because you're right that obviously the pandemic has really distorted all the figures. So it's difficult to gauge what's happened, like year on year. It really has. It really has. You really have to be read between the lines. But once we've got that, that's my next question for you. Yeah, that's what we're paid to do. So. All right. Well, thank you both so much for joining. Thanks, Anna. My pleasure. So for more analysis, you can subscribe to our research note, which goes out every Monday, Wednesday and Friday. You can see our show notes for more details on that. Please do subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and listen out for our next episode in two weeks. Thank you for listening to this week's Intelligence Talks.